Hey everybody, uh, it is Austin here uh, with a content warning for this episode. We go pretty uh, long on the ongoing wave of allegations of sexual misconduct and more general harassment throughout the video games industry uh, for the first, I'd say, a little, little bit of this episode. Um, it's tough to give exact times because of the way ads are kind of um, procedurally entered into certain listeners' feeds. It's not a thing that we have exact information on how long an ad is or who will get it. Um, and so that means timestamps are a little tough, but we think it will be around uh, 12 minutes to 51 minutes, somewhere in there. Um, uh, again, we don't go too deep on any particular case. We don't go too deep in any particular um, incident. We're not going beat by beat. There's no, there's, you know, we're not getting into specifics. It's a larger conversation around uh, the the state of the culture, um, the ways in which this is a systemic issue, um, um, and then and then you know some some particular cases, but not in terms of of the events of of the uh, of the allegations or anything like that. I will say there is an additional smaller conversation at around 43 or 44 minutes, depending on the ads. Um, in which we briefly discuss uh, familial abuse, um, uh, interfamilial abuse, um, which is about two minutes long, uh, uh, three minutes long, something like that. So um, maybe an extra, an extra uh, note of caution there for folks. Uh, just want to make sure everyone who listens is able to be safe, uh, and we hope that you've had a a, uh, a safe and um, secure week. Um, and that the weekend is good. Uh, all right, that's it. I'll let you listen to this podcast, which I promise is not as dour as I sound in this moment. It opens up. It's very nice and bright. Patrick's back. Look forward to that. And then the back half after that 50-minute mark or 51, 52-minute mark, we come back and talk about some games we've been playing. So if, if you're just not in a place where you can listen to the first half of this podcast, we totally understand. Go ahead, jump ahead, uh, and and hang out with us for a little bit. Um, all right. I hope everyone has a good week or weekend, whatever day it is. Peace. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's good, Internet? It's Friday, June 26th, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 324. I'm your host, Austin Walker, and I am joined today by Gita Jackson. Hello. Rob Zachney. Good morning. Ricardo Contreras. Yo. Okay, that was a little. That was uh, hot. Are you okay? That sounded Thomas? dismissive. Like yo, yo. <laughs> hey, yo, miss. I, I probably yeah. don't miss. Hold on. <laughs> are you chewing something, Kato? Are you eating? Sorry, hey, yo, yeah, Mr. I didn't mention. I earlier. How producers are. <laughs> Love the chewing noises on the tracks. <laughs> I'm I'm moving away from my mic, which is why that yo was like, oh shit, I took a bite mm. at the wrong time. <laughs> <Hold on. laughs> 
Uh, and you already heard the voice re- rejoining uh, Pat, rejoining us to his his natural rightful <laughs> place among us. Patrick Klepek is here again. Got this Patrick. coffee mug that heats itself now. What? Father's Day what? That's <laughs> what? My, that's what my uh, 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 my family got me for for Father's Day. Although a week ahead of time, my wife's my wife surprised me with gifts and, and uh, presents from my family, <laughs> and then someone later the day was like, "Why are you celebrating Father's Day?" And it was because it's today. Like, no, it's next week. I was like, well, I got all my shit early. So, (laughs) Uh, no, they got Ember. You've probably seen it at like Target or something like that. But it's just it's a mug. Charge it. It's got a little charger, but it's got heating coils inside, and so for up to ninety minutes, you can set the exact temperature, which I give no shits about. I'm just like warm, (laughs) warm. Um, (laughs) Someone, Rob, I feel like would be. uh, I mean, it's the coffee one. One thirty-five is the coffee temperature it suggests, but. Um, it keeps it uh, warm for up to 90 minutes, which is great because I drip, I drink my coffee extremely slowly. Like, right. it, yes. and so I'm constantly having to like fry the coffee like, yes. in, in the microwave and uh, it, I hate it. it tastes um, so much worse. Yeah. It tastes so much worse, but I also am not the, like, I know some people like get a small cup of coffee and just slam it and then they do their thing. I like to, that coffee is, is like the pause I do when I'm like frustrated with a line and something that I can't right. quite get. It's like, I'm going to sit here. I'm yeah. going to sip this coffee, yeah. and it's I'm, like, oh, it's cold. Damn, I'm going to get up and fry this for the third time. Um, Patrick, I never thought I would have so much in common with a Midwestern dad, but <laughs> <laughs> I, that, I know, do that same exact shit. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> coffee is for, is a prop. Were you a person, were any of you the kind of person that would go to diners as a teenager to hang out and of just drink endless cups of Good coffee? God. Yeah, Rob Zachney, I knew that you would say yes. I lived. <laughs> yeah, that's a, like, my friends and I, what do you want to do? The 20. Phoenix Diner? Do you want to be like, I got I got them on deck. We had like five. We rotated because yeah. they get annoyed with us because all we would do is sit there until 3 a.m. drinking coffee clock and ordering closed. toast because yeah. I because we're like, I feel bad. We should order some food. Let me order an order toast. of toast. They would hate us. Yeah, we would get french fries and just a million cups of coffee yes, with three yes, at that's the, the Athenian yes, fries two. Also. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Do they have lemon rice soup? No, I was not. Diner. Let me tell you something about about sixteen year old Austin. He wore he wasn't at a at a diner looking at the soup menu. It was breakfast <laughs> all day every day. Diner time. Oh, see, it, it was a weird thing at the Greek at the Greek diners uh, where I lived, and like literally half the diners were Greek diners. Yeah, I mean like, that's the true. weird thing was maybe they were all in competition with each other. Their value add to like any order was just like you want some lemon rice soup, and so <laughs> we got this bucket like, shows like, up yes, every week. All day. I don't know who makes it. It's just this soup. It's just yeah. the haunted soup that they have in the diner. It's like please, it was it replenishes itself every day. <laughs> <laughs> if we don't hand it out, another one shows up. <laughs> It did kind of feel like you were obligated to, like, they were so, like, you want the, you want the lemon rice, right, kids? And I was like, mm, The lemon yes? rice? Sure. God. God. Um, yeah, but I anyway, I was just going to say, at diners, coffee is a prop, you know? You're drinking it, but you're also gesturing with it. You learn how to pose with it. And it's always <laughs> something that I associated with, you know, with when I was, became a writer. I realized I got these, this is so embarrassing, I'm so sorry, I got these. CBD joints that are completely legal in the state of New York um, because I realized that when I stopped, I quit smoking and I quit juuling also. So I have now this issue. I don't know what to do with my hands when I write because mm. I'm used to chain smoking. And this helps. This helps with the I need that sort of 
prop in my hands or hanging off my lip. <sighs> I don't know. Anyway, I don't miss smoking, but I miss everything that went along with smoking. Yes. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> yes. That's the the Lady J's CBD joints. I got to say, they actually do calm me down. I so swear I these are not advertisements. You'd be able to tell if they were advertisements. But they would if repeat, they would like They to. would repeat three times in a row <laughs> Lady for J's, some if you want to give me a lot of these, I wouldn't say no. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so I will, I will simply say this. And yes, is this kitsch? Absolutely. Uh, but... A good alternative to a mug with heating coils in it, because that just sounds way too, that sounds very extra for what I need from a mug. But if I could suggest one of these wide-bottomed nautical coffee mugs. Oh, my God. <laughs> Excuse yes. me. Yes. Do they pop up in crap tourist towns right and left? Absolutely. Oh my God, I cannot but believe. But they do tend to keep that cup believe. of coffee very, very warm because, obviously, they're tapered. And so, like well, – so th- Okay, got- so this is also my problem. Uh, we have, like, 35 to 40 – like one of the things, like when I was in my twenties, I started collecting shot glasses from like places uh, that I would go. Like I'd be at the airport, and it's like, all right, I'm just gonna buy some, some thing to put on the the shelf at at home. And in my thirties, I started collecting. Thing I've ever heard about you. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, started collecting coffee mugs. So now my problem is the ember solves my practical, like issue that I have with coffee around the house, especially now running around with one to two kids every every single day. That said. I love all the goofy mugs that we have, different sizes and shapes, and there's, like, a history to them. Like, oh, we bought that when we did that, or, like, that's from that trip that we did this. And so I am losing that with this, but it's warm all the time, so I I feel like I'm going to leave it behind. Although I've thought about maybe— you're turning into my dad. (laughs) Well, I've thought about about this a lot. I've had a lot of time to think, Rob, a lot of time to worry about the moment-to-moments every single day and how to spend them. Uh, I've thought about what if— the first cup of coffee a day, which is the one that I just like go through qu- quickly. It's just like, all right, this first one is just going in the system uh, and out. And that one could be in like mm, my nice like coffee mug and I can look at the steam. And then the rest yeah. is just after after about 10 o'clock. It's like this is just <laughs> fuel to get through the day as opposed to remembering that kitschy diner that we went to in Vegas and bought the cool mug. Yeah, do that. That sounds fun. That sounds like the right call. I support this. This I'm this I'm down with. Thank you. Um, what were we even? How did we get here? How did we get here? <laughs> so know. Patrick was brandishing his mug, and he's really yeah. proud of it. And he had nothing yep. to tell us about his leave or what he's been up to because mm-hmm. he's just been collecting Father's Day gifts, which, mm-hmm. true, is now like twice the amount of his day. I like, mulched my entire lawn. I finished it the day before um, I came back. It was a nice 75-degree wow. day. What I learned, so yeah, what I wanted to Organize learn- your mug collection. You'll mulch the lawn. Well, look, it, Classic uh, shit. our back, our, uh, our yard to mulch is I do it once every two years. Like I'll pay people to come out and weed it and, and to mulch it. And it's expensive. It is mm-hmm. I, off the top of my head, like $1,200. I was trying to figure out what am I like, oh, dude, it's a big, it's a big yard. It's like, how am I, I'm trying to say that without bragging. Wow. <laughs> um, this motherfucker. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a, that's a lot of fucking money for just like the wood chips to turn a little browner. Um, frankly. <laughs> Uh, and so <laughs> I could, Patrick is a step away from being like, what do you need that for? I could build one of those in the garage. What, what do you need? What, do you, what is that? A microwave? We could build fucking a fucking dad. microwave. What is this? Some brown? Yeah, we could, I could get some brown paint, turn the mulch brown. What do you want? <laughs> just some you know what? If I could, shit. if I could, ju- yeah, if I could just like spray, get a, a spray, little paint spray. Just, yeah. <laughs> a little, a, so shake, my thought a was, shake can. I've got this, th- I got this three months ahead of me. Uh, 
I, I'm going to, I'm going to mulch it myself. I'm going to have afternoons where I got time to myself. Like I'm, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this project on my own. And I slowly did it over the course of three months. And let me tell you that $1,200 worth every penny. Those <laughs> workers are not overpaid a cent. They earn that money. That $1,200 nope. underpaid, uh-huh. perhaps. Uh, yeah. uh-huh. Especially the workers, I would suspect. Yeah, uh-huh. yep. yeah most likely. Yeah. You must ask uh, your groundskeeper. Next time I am on the podcast, <laughs> I'm definitely not going to be on next week, basically. Uh, so I'm moving to a new place with a backyard in New York City, which Hell yeah. is exciting for me. Oh, God. Uh, it's concrete, but... Oh, I'm so gonna build. Patio, I'm right? gonna build some planters. I've decided. You know what you're gonna do? You're gonna grill. I yeah, am gonna, gonna grill. grill actually, grill, uh, it's a patio. That sounds like a patio, but yes, no. that's a grilling fucking patio to me. I'm gonna get some. There is a bunch of spare wood in this backyard that I guess is now just mine. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> listen, all you works. need to do to build a planter, that's just yours now. You, all you need is chicken wire and. And some planks, essentially. I've looked at different configurations. You need mulch, dirt, chick- chicken wire, and planks. And we've already got all this wood. I know how to use a drill. And <laughs> I'm going to do this project. Is that a threat? Because I would love yeah. to have tomatoes. <laughs> I know how to use, how to a use drill. this drill. I mean, uh, no, that is. sounds good. Tomatoes are good. Tomatoes right? are great at home. Wow, that's that's. I'd love that's to have a, a vegetable garden and some flowering plants in there. Yeah. You know, like maybe when I'm grilling some hamburgers, I could just grab a tomato from my garden and slice <laughs> it up for you. There you go. Yeah. That sounds good. That sounds perfect. Yeah. Um, So we should actually have a podcast. Welcome back, Patrick. I feel like we were going somewhere with the welcome back, and I've since lost the plot. But thank you for returning to us. We've missed you a great deal. Uh, and. Uh, I'm lucky to have you back because today we got some fucking news and we needed newsman Patrick Klepik here to help us unpack it. Not that we couldn't do it without you. No offense. We could figure it out. Uh, but it's well, nice okay. to. Okay. Sorry. I didn't listen. <laughs> I'm just saying I had to cover my bases. I had to be like, well, it's not like we couldn't do it. I trust. No, Robert the, the fact Kata. that I was able to take these three months and legitimately not. I mean, I should say very briefly before we transition to like, yes, a great thanks to to everyone at, at, at motherboard and vice games for like, there's a world of this three months. I mean, I told Rob, I told Rob privately, he knows this was like, Hey, if you truly need me to like come pinch it, if, if you need help, like, let me know, like, I will figure it out. Like I, 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 I want to disappear, but I also, you know, have the backs of everyone here. And like, that call never came, and I, I'm sure things were easier and harder on different days, weeks, and, and months as I was gone, but um, for as difficult as my individual circumstances uh, were for even having that time to myself, the fact that I didn't have to have work on top of that for that period was really, really nice, and that's a testament to all the folks on this call and the folks not on this call that I was able to like really spend that time and, and focus in on my family, so so thank you. Yeah, I'm really glad you got to have that time. Uh, I- Shout outs to unions, it turns out, insuring and fighting for uh, benefits like like uh, better better leave uh, when you have a kid. Um, to some more serious news, uh, I don't think that we could possibly uh, start a podcast about video games this week and talk about video games this week without talking about the ongoing kind of wave of allegations around sexual harassment, sexual assault, and other sorts of sexual misconduct uh, on, on top of other types of... of um, 
uh, you know, some of this is also caught up in racist workplace environment uh, posts that themselves are then tied to sexual harassment or, or other sorts of sexual misconduct. <laughs> um, and and it has just been it has been a kind of constant flurry over the last few days um, that uh, has been kind of nonstop. Um, and I guess the thing that I want to the thing that I would start with here is that I think it's an important one is that like trust and believe victims who come forward and who tell their stories you know that that's how we feel about this on the show i i, I but but it's important that i reiterate it uh, again today um the second thing i want to say is like it is also important to understand that i've i've seen i have seen a certain um uh sort of thought cross cross the the timeline a little bit here which is uh, there's two versions of it the first version of it i get which is this is really exhausting because I've suffered something, and now every time I go online, all I see is more allegations, and I have to relive my trauma constantly. I have to take a step back. This is important that it's happening, but I have to take a step back. I've also seen uh, a, a sort of sentiment that's like, isn't this going to like wrap up soon? And the answer is like, no, <laughs> uh, uh, not not anytime soon. Um, you know, this is an important reminder for me that like this is a systemic issue and all of these sorts of broad systemic issues, which in this case is like harassment and abuse and sexual assault uh, and misogyny and homophobia, because many of these cases are, uh, are are done on the backs of the vulnerability that comes with being in a marginalized position. Um, uh, you know, they're not going to be solved all at once. There's going to be another wave of this, a second or a third. I mean, this is already a second we or a third We had one like wave. a year ago. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. This, you know, this this, this, and there's a reason it happens in waves is because when there's a crowd, it feels the, the you know, what is it, uh, the, the phrase about Twitter, like every day there's a character and yes. a main character and you're just trying not to be that person. And usually that's meant in a in a negative sense because you've, you've done something worthy of ire. But in this case, the reason that so many folks jump on to speak to their to their own truth is because it's not just everyone pointing at you. You can speak into a larger crowd to speak to a larger moment. And so that creates this wave that can feel oppressive and overwhelming, and it's fine to step back from it. But th there's a reason why folks feel safe to come forward as part of that wave. And they wave. should. And they should. And, and it's going to keep happening. And like there are going to be additional people who are uh, who are outed, who you admire, who we admire. It's going to happen. And I think it's important to like recognize that one of the things that predators do is, is blend in. They kept their fucking heads down last time that, you know, and it's going to happen again because, you know, a lot of this grows out of a culture in which vulnerable people, most often women, but as we've seen, not only women, um, are targeted uh, by predators who are able to move through systems that make those targets more vulnerable by forcing them into contact and into situations with, uh, where their precarity rests on, or the, the, the solution to their precarity seems to be things like gaining the trust of people who are already established, uh, mm -hmm. going to industry networking events, often where there is like a ton of alcohol and where they're not necessarily yeah. safe. And then that same industry provides cover for the predators as especially, especially when those predators are at the higher levels of, of success in the industry. And, and that's what we've seen in the last few days. Um, and, and at this point, I'm talking about the industry stuff, but I think, you know, before we started, someone pointed out there's kind of two lanes here, yeah. right? So, yeah, um, just a quick note I wanted to say, as someone who stopped drinking over a year ago, um, the role that alcohol plays in some of these stories is really clear. And I don't ever want to tell anyone what to do, but there is something about the way that predators use 
I repeated applying with, with drinks to get people to pass the point of being able to comprehend that is really dangerous for young people in the industry. And so many networking events take places at bars. Mm-hmm. And I think that we should all be thinking about ways to allow like marginalized people to network in this industry without forcing them to go to a bar. Like, I just feel like we have to move beyond that now. (laughs) Like we just have to do that. It would be safer for everyone. But yes, there are basically two genres of things that are happening right now. There are several communities of streamers um, focused around specific games like Dota or Destiny that have had their own sort of intra-community reckonings. Um, Streamers calling out other streamers for abusing their positions of power. And then there has been a series of game developers at major studios that have been called out for also abusing their positions of power, um, usually with fans, although other developers have also been um, making their own statements. Yeah. Um, and this has happened, what, across in, in like Destiny, uh, in Dota, uh, some some other uh, communities. Saw some mm-hmm. Warframe stuff going around. Yep. Which, I, I again, mean, you really, you could like kind of spin the wheel. And at this point, there's probably. Well, there's some right, stuff in the FGC. There's some stuff in the Pokemon community. There's a lot of stuff. Because this is a, this is a, a kind of culture-wide problem. This is not just a thing unique to a specific company or a specific scene. There can be scenes that are that have an, an increase in this because they they especially don't take uh, allegations seriously. There can be a company certainly where you know uh, we've seen again and again when mm-hmm. HR HR services PR right. HR serves to cover things up, and maybe mm-hmm. they have a. a, a well, I, we can speak about Vice here very clearly that like the HR department at Vice for a long time was functionally covering up or or uh, you know, providing opacity for uh, uh, abuse abuse and, al- and harassment allegations at the company, right? So that's that's like one that's been written about. There, there was a huge scandal a few years ago. We know that that's the sort of thing that can happen. I would say that the, the culture here seems better now. And so you can you can do that sort of like, how is it to comparison between two different companies? But when it's a cultural problem throughout the, the kind of like veins of the entire culture, it's going to happen everywhere. And that's why it requires a larger response. Yeah, um, there are some things that I've been seeing people talk about online, trying to understand why the culture of video games has led to so many different people abusing their positions of power, often men. Um, but not always men, um, where we, there's some people are finally taking a step back and thinking about what is it about video games that they have deliberately found this market of young men and are selling them explicitly through marketing this ad campaigns about you are the most powerful person in the world. Like maybe that's not good to encourage that throughout our entire culture. Throughout our entire family. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, though, it is, it is, it is, I'm not saying that that is, that a video, one, video games and uh, video game culture, deeply misogynistic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> but I do think that it's, this is also happening in, this also has happened in music journalism. This has also happened in the music industry. This also, not that yeah. the music industry is any less misogynistic or connected to rape culture. And I think that's yeah. the kind of broader point I'm making is like, yeah, no, our the, culture the dismantling is dismantling of the yes. patriarchy, which is the thing that we need to do to make sure that this never happens again. Right. Exactly. Like that, exactly. We need to like uh, unbuild culture and build it back up again. Yeah. yeah. You know, we can do that over the weekend, basically. Uh-huh. We'll, but, we'll, keep, we'll keep working on it. I do think it's worth thinking about, though, the particularities of how, well, yeah, in music, cult, in the culture of music, there has always been this narrative of groupies, right? 
where, oh, these are just young women and they want to sleep with all these bands and then be tossed aside. They want that, you know? Um, and there's these, uh, the ways in which women are treated in the music industry are, there's a particularities of the misogyny and how it's played out. And there has been efforts from artists in the industry to dismantle that and rebuild it. Not entirely successful, but there have yeah. been great strides. I think in games, we have not even gotten to the not entirely successful restructuring part. You know, it's beyond time for us to talk about the particularities of how misogyny plays out in our scene. Uh -huh. I think, though, that so there's a weird thing. Every industry is grappling with this. And so to a degree, I think there's a lot of places where this feels like this is treated as a local story. And in some ways it is because the characteristics of abuse and poor behavior do change based on like the shape and structures of an industry. But also, this is part of a broader reckoning we do see happening across a lot of different industries. And I think something I find myself thinking about a lot, too, is. How many places is this happening where public figures don't exist in the same way as in the entertainment industry? How many places do you have these yeah. sort of abusive relationships happening? But you never hear about them because nobody cares who, you know, a 12-store franchise, you know, what, what the CEO of a 12-store yeah. franchise in the Midwest does. But these things probably happen everywhere. And I think there's a... I think it is important to keep the focus in games because this is our beat. This is our this is our backyard. But I think one of the things that is really clear uh, right now about this moment is that when we talk about like structural inequalities and precarity affecting vulnerable people, that's happening across the board. And it may take on a different cast depending on what industry you're talking about. But in the last like few years, and certainly in the last like couple months, it's become crystal clear that it's happening in myriad ways and myriad forms across pretty much any type of like activity you can imagine. And that is really disturbing. And I, and I think a lot about like how many people, like how many predators are out there in industries where just because they are so anonymous, they will never be outed in that same way. Right? Like how many petty tyrants are out there mistreating people mm -hmm. uh, and sort of, putting a cap on their careers and it just doesn't get attention because these are considered like boring jobs, uh, boring workplaces. Well, yeah. well, YouTubers used to be in that sort of same category, not boring jobs, but three to four years ago, I would hear that people wouldn't do the same kind of thing where they'd say, Hey, this YouTuber XYZ uh, mistreated me in XYZ ways. And part of the response when inevitably people accuse them of lying was, how could this person manipulate you? How could they be in a position of power? They're a YouTuber. Now, um, with that, after that enormous case <clears throat> with the music YouTuber that was soliciting nudes and nude videos from underage fans, uh, where he was arrested and is now in jail, uh, people, I think, understand more that a cult of personality, it doesn't matter how quote-unquote famous they are, as soon as you are in charge of a community or the figurehead that's in charge of a community, you have a responsibility to the community to not, I don't know, abuse them. Just a suggestion. Um, people have a better understanding of that. But mm -hmm. that took a really long time, and there were a lot of victims in that time. You know, that that is always the thing that hurts, is that you know that there's going to be people that... <clears throat> 
that don't have this chance to have their abusers held accountable. Mm-hmm. And it's painful. It's I I was assaulted in college and then assaulted after college. And it's really personal for me because I know I have a duty as a journalist <clears throat> to like be somewhat impartial and have a remove, but I I feel I understand the pain because I felt a lot of this pain and confusion and frustration and just deep, deep anger that no one did anything and that I was left alone to pick up the pieces. So you think just like if that hurts so much for me, then there's not just the people that have come forward are feeling that so, so many people are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, in this case, we're also, you know, when you're speaking to a Ubisoft or an Insomniac, you know, studios that have in some level of um, like an infrastructure, right? In, in theory, an HR department that can handle complaints, like whether they do so appropriately is an open question and something that I think is being reckoned with, yeah. um, you know, in this moment, you know, specifically what's different about, you know, YouTube and Twitch is, you know, and this is a broader cultural problem where we, our institutions fail us. And so we turn to corporations who in, who in, in a weird way have become closer to our government institutions in a lot of ways to, to solve those problems for us. And so it's like when, when, it, uh, when someone on YouTube or Twitch or any of these services is accused, there's no, like, there's no, there's no like department to turn to. It's just make enough noise or organize like a blackout on, on Twitch and hope that they pay attention. But there's, there's no formal record there's no, mm-hmm. there's like, there's not even like paperwork to follow where you can try and hold them ac- accountable. Like it makes, it's already so difficult in places that are supposed to have an infrastructure to, yeah. to serve right. um, <clears throat> the issues of their employees. And, and in, 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 you know, the comparison of YouTube creators being the employees of YouTube isn't perfect, but like for, for the, the sake of this like discussion is, is we're thinking about because they, part of the reason those, in, those institutions work is because they don't actually want to be responsible exactly for it. the people they make money off of. And yes. so yes. they are thus so much less reliable and then requires society because we can't we can't expect the government regulation to come in and like do anything about this. So instead it's just if we make enough fucking noise on on Twitter, maybe they'll pay attention. But what does that mean, right? Like yeah. quietly banning some people for how long? Yeah. Did they take away their, you know, status <clears throat> to make money on old videos? So are they still making tens of thousands off stuff there? You know, like there's right. just so much uh, a lack of transparency and no real levers to pull other than making noise, which is maybe satisfying in the moment, but does not necessarily indi- indicate large structural change. Oh, I, did, I think yeah. it, it, it definitely has hit at the thing that you just you brought up here, which is that like platforms like YouTube and Twitch are effectively employers, but with none of the responsibility and none of the accountability and none of the the already loose reliability uh, that comes with having an actual employer. And I think that that also speaks to it connects back to what Rob was saying around like, hey, where is this happening around around you know the world in which the where are people not caring? Um, and and one of the places where we know that that happens is inside of gig economy jobs is is what happens the the way in which Uber has turned its back on uh, sexual you know uh, alle- sexual misconduct allegations around its drivers and and kind of washes its hands often. Um, and, and it's a very similar thing here in a sense, right? It's like when you disclaim the responsibility, uh, when you, when you say like this person isn't an employee of mine, then what happens under your nose is not your responsibility either. And I, and I think that there's a through line there between that and the stuff that we see in the game space around young uh, workers who are trying to find a way in to the industry, young streamers hoping to make a big break. 
um, they are also precarious in in a similar way, which is to say that they are replaceable, that they are uh, not being treated as humans, obviously, uh, and that they have to move into dangerous places in order to try to uh, basically like make it happen, make make their careers happen, find livelihoods. Um, uh, you know, go to these events where there's lots of alcohol, uh, which just well, I want to be 100 clear. Uh, Gita, I'm I, you and I both brought up the alcohol thing earlier. I want to make sure that we're 100 clear. We're yeah. not saying that you shouldn't be allowed to drink or that no. it's on it's it's your fault for being drunk or anything no. like that. So make my incontrovertible my beef that, that is, is not with the, the people that organize these events and right. then don't have non-alcoholic drink options or don't organize at a daytime event yes. where alcohol will not be as prevalent. There needs to be some variety. This has been an issue. This is an issue across culture. Mm-hmm. Our drinking culture is super... Once you stop drinking, you have an understanding of how much people drink, and it is very different from how you felt when you were drinking, mm-hmm. especially if you were an alcoholic and you were drinking all the time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so... Now my um, just awareness of like not being able to get a diet coke is very very strong. <laughs> Fair, um, yeah. and, and it's worth it's worth saying again. Like one of the ways in which this is very clear is, uh, you know, I, I I don't know the exact order of operations here, but I from my read this kicks off with the Cards Against Humanity stuff last weekend, yeah. last weekend, last week, which actually starts as uh, allegations around racism and around the ways in which that office. Uh, and Max specifically, Max Temkin specifically, uh, treated um, some black workers there and and the ways in which they were, you know, um, not just poorly treated, but not given a lot of um, uh, credibility, not being given uh, the ability to help shape that workplace in the way that would make them comfortable. Their, their issues had been dismissed. Uh, further reporting it, uh, ended up connecting that eventually to uh, some elements of the ways in which rape culture had infected uh, Cards Against Humanity. There's a great long form uh, feature uh, from Nicole Carpenter over really, at really Polygon good reporting. Uh, called Former Employees Accused Cards Against Humanity of Racist and Sexist Office Culture that includes a, a clear allegation that like they, that Cards Against Humanity workers were not allowed to include content like punching at rape culture in their game because of uh, allegations that Max Temkin uh, had committed rape. Um, uh, which, by the way, briefly, as someone who's done a live event with Max Temkin, one, fuck, Ma- fuck Max Temkin. Uh, yeah, fuck two, two uh, and you can go, go to Twitter to see, like, I talked about this the other day, but, like, I'm sorry that I ever did an event with that motherfucker. Um, I very much felt like I was in a place where I couldn't step back when I did that event and uh, wish I had realized that it was in my power to have a conversation with my employees, my employers at the time. I was a giant bomb, um, which Patrick, I know you've been through this too. Uh, mm-hmm. But I wish I had had that conversation. I wish I had said, wait a second, I don't feel comfortable about this. I know. But instead, what I did is I looked around at my bosses and I looked around at the people at Giant Bomb who I trusted and said, like, well, uh, do I want to try to raise this? Am I in a position where I can safely raise this? this? Is my first. I've only been here a few months. They seem to like not have this issue, and they're good on everything else. Is this? And uh, and instead, I should have trusted my gut. And then and then you know a year later, I wasn't there, and I stopped doing events with that dude. Yeah, you know, I I got booked. Someone booked me for a, an event in at a PAX unplugged, a you know a couple of years ago, and like a week and a half before the event. Uh, I got an inv- I got an email to like everyone on the panel, and Max was just on the panel, and no one had told me. And I was like, "Hello, uh, no, I can't do this. <laughs> I'm not going to go to this panel. I have to pull out of this event." 
Um, and I, there is, a, again, another thing to think about in this industry is like when there is someone who has allegations, think about the ways in which you continue to platform them. Think about the ways in which you continue to give them cover. Because if you, if you don't find yourself, if you're, if you're not able to hold yourself accountable in that way and have those difficult conversations and make those separations, then what you're going to end up doing is providing cover for the people in, in the industry to who uh, are going to continue potentially to do harassment and assault and, and and abuse, but also you're going to send a message to survivors that their stories don't actually matter to you. And I know that I did that when I when I did that event at at Giant Bomb in like 2015 or whatever. And I apologize for that uh, and and hope that people understand that like that was a bad mistake. And I've done my best to to right the ship since. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I put out a, a statement sort of trying to speak towards cleaning up your own house in the past as well. I mean, I, you know, in the statement that I put out, you know, I looked around, I wasn't close enough to Max to be like, I should make a meeting with him and we should talk through his allegations and I need you to explain yourself to me. I looked to others that were around him that seemed to be those types of people and, you know, I, it, it was a slightly different era back then, but not enough to to um, wa- you know, throw that under the rug. But I looked around myself and thought, well, these people must have had those conversations. And so I get, I guess, I guess we're all just going to keep going. And I privately made my peace with not feeling comfortable with that. Never had the conversation over it, but just made my decision on how I felt personally. Um, and then when this all came up again, you know, it can seem and is convenient to bring that up publicly now and deservedly will take criticism for that seeming and being convenient. But I also think it's incumbent upon folks that have partaken in that convenience in the past, whether they've done so privately and not publicly, is to reckon with that. And that was a public figure that associated with Max and cards in the past and However, I tried to make my my piece privately, like it is important to not just make those strides going forward, but acknowledge where you could have done better in the past. And so I can't make up for those mistakes in the past. I can only attempt to explain how I arrived at it. But, you know, I think the hope is learning from where you could have done better, expecting audiences to keep you accountable um, and, you know, trying to do best. Um, by victims going forward. Totally. Uh, there are a million other accusations about specific individuals, but I, I, it's probably worth saying here that like to some degree, and this is me speaking about my experience when I was there as an editor uh, and, and not just as a podcast host, because I'm at this point not dealing with whatever the day-to-day is, you know, on, on your side of things, y'all. But my understanding from that time is that there are degrees to which we cannot safely talk about some particular allegations while investigations are ongoing or until certain conversations internally happen around what the right language is to use about public allegations. Is that, is or that while fair? If we're, if we're actively reporting a story, right. it would it would uh, could potentially impact that investigation to speak of it while you're in the process of researching, talking to victims, mm-hmm. um, talking to the accused. It's just – it gets really complicated when that becomes like a pretty, unfortunately, regular beat for this this line of work. Yeah. Um, and I know that some of that investigation is ongoing, and it's probably worth saying that there you can make no promises about 
that the content of those investigations like coming to light necessarily. Um, I think everyone on this call has done one of these investigations at some point. Kato has not. Sorry, Kato. Unless Kato has been around Kato's while we've been done that and, is, and is aware of our frustrations. <laughs> uh, that you can sometimes report out a story and it doesn't see the light of day and it's the most yep. frustrating thing in the world. And, um, not, and not just like, oh, I've talked to a couple people like yeah, uh-huh. all the way to rewriting it multiple times for multiple people for multiple audiences and get all the way to what feels like the finish line for another story and it can still fall fall apart these these stories are extremely difficult to get through the process of journalism and specifically legal departments yes. and so which are, which are it's, notoriously risk averse yeah and and like you you should hold um journalistic institutions more accountable to to make it part of their beat it is i think that has changed a lot yeah. in the last five years specifically, um, there's always more that can be done. Um, but, uh, also understand to some degree that even when those reporters do their work, they can run into roadblocks internally that then you can't, you can't even speak about. So you're not even able to acknowledge that you tried to do the work and where you came up short was maybe out of your control because you can't even acknowledge that you did the work in the first place. Cause doing so would in some ways be litigious against, the yeah. individual. Uh-huh. Um, so. It's yeah. frustrating sometimes. That's all. Yeah. Rob, you leaned forward in your chair as if you'd arrived at a point. No, I was just, I was thinking about a couple aspects of abuse cases like this is a lot of times workplace abuse isn't clear as day. It is contextual. It is about intonation. It is about, for lack of a better word, a vibe. And there are a lot of stories that people have that if you tell them to a very skeptic to a very skeptical yeah. audience, the reaction might be like, oh, that doesn't sound like anything. Except you had to have been in the room, right? Or you have to have heard someone do something in that tone before or or behave in that certain way to really. Or there's get a pattern, it. or there's you don't understand this happens every fucking week. This happens after every meeting. <clears throat> or or you've forgotten little instances that in the moment had built up and contributed to an, an entire kind of campaign of harassment and not just a single, you know, this is not just a single thing or an, even just one element that repeats. There are often lots of little smaller micro versions of it. Right. Yeah. And I think I'm, it- I'm sure there are people that are listening that only realized that the workplace situation they were in was abusive or toxic until after they left the job and got a new job where things were really, really different and like uh-huh. better and less tense. And you suddenly had this realization that something you got used to wasn't necessarily normal or healthy or really in many cases just should have been different. Yeah. I think the other the other part is um, one of the things that is particularly endemic to the games industry is just a culture of secrecy. And this goes to the basic, like how does the games industry share news about itself yeah. with just massive, we will own your life embargoes, um, <laughs> just routine information. I swear to God, if you show one of these screenshots one day early, <laughs> we'll fucking kill you. That's kind you, of how if the, you sign this NDA for this massive upcoming game. You need to beat the game in order to review it. Definitely not an embargo that we signed last year. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> So don't uh, talk about the claim war. It's fine. But I think that extends. (laughs) (laughs) 
But I think that extends to every aspect of how business is conducted in this industry. Yes. And like, it's been a while since I've worked outside this industry. So I don't know how aggressive and comprehensive NDAs are. My understanding is these things have become pretty much standard features of a lot of landscapes, like non-competes, which are very anti-worker, yeah. uh, very like pro-manager. But they are becoming kind of endemic across a lot of different industries, even in places where they don't make any sense. But that's neither here nor there. But the thing I want to emphasize is a lot of people telling these stories, just having walked in the door to a place of work, have already been obligated on day one when they're filling out their basic contact information, insurance information. They've also probably signed something that says, hey, what happens in the family stays in the family uh-huh. under like pain of law. Like yeah. we don't we, you don't tell stories out of school. And so an ironic the, comparison since, of course, schools also do that exact thing yeah. <laughs> or an apropos <laughs> comparison rather. Yeah. yeah. And so I think the other the other part of this is so many things that happen in the workplace to tell those stories requires the accusers themselves exposing themselves to massive legal risk. And so, you know, it's it becomes a really frustratingly difficult thing to uh, get a fair hearing on because so many people who could corroborate or so many people who have accusations are at very real and severe legal peril if their identity is unmasked as an accuser, as they reveal mm-hmm. themselves as one of the people telling these stories. And so this is why I think the the sort of surprise people have of how many stories like this are there. The industry is constructed in a way that the number of stories like this could be infinite. Right. Yeah. Like the in, the yeah. way these workplaces are constructed, the terms of employment people have as a matter of course in this industry is like a perfect climate for endemic abuse. And when you think about one of the ways you, there uh, are lots of folks that will speak to having essentially what they call like blank resumes, which is that so if you're if you don't stay through the completion of a project or if a project gets canceled, like the work you did may be under an NDA and you can't even show your work when you get to look for another job. And so let's say you, you were harassed at at a studio and decided you wanted to move on. You may not even be able to show the work that you did to prove that you were good at your job at the next job, thus creating scenarios where people stay in abusive, toxic situations simply so they can have a resume that allows them to escape later. Yeah. yeah and this was just dropped in the um, the motherboard, the tech slack and like this is another way in which workplaces are constructed so that victims are encouraged not to speak out. This is about WeWork, like a very obvious example of a really unhealthy and toxic workplace. So WeWork's first whistleblower recalls the unsettling feeling from her first Thank God It's Monday meeting. After hearing Adam Newman speak, attendees hit a gong and chanted, We work. We work. <laughs> yeah, it's never it's not always quite so explicit, but like when. Some of these, some development studios, they do outwardly ex, ex, like say, have this ethos of we're all a family. Yeah. And you know, and like as soon as you get into that way of thinking about your place of work, it's like your job is a place that you go to to earn money to be ordered in order to pay your rent and buy groceries, right? A job is a job. And as much as you love your job, a job is a job, it's a job. Uh, and you should not treat it as if it is your family, because the right. way that you resolve conflict within a family is very different from the way you resolve conflict within uh, within a job and in a workplace. And a lot of the time, especially in industries that are related to arts or entertainment, they will prey on your desire to be in the industry 
your, your passion or your desire to be part of a studio that has a level of prestige. It's not yeah. always going to be as obvious as hitting a gong and chanting WeWork, but it can be pernicious in other ways, ways that discourage victims from speaking out about people that they perceive as being in power. Uh, well, and it's worth saying without getting into any deeper details, uh, because this stuff is very, very heavy and dark, that like the family comparison is not is not uh is neither incorrect nor is it as like clean as i think those businesses think that they want to make it um i i cannot speak to other people there has been there there have been sexual assaults and sexual misconduct inside of my family meaning that i don't trust lots of people in my family uh <laughs> that that happens um that is not a thing that like is off the table. And in fact, the thing that happens is you treat it like a family. When, when people treat it like a family issue, what that really means is justice doesn't get to happen. And, yep. uh, and uh, victims don't get to heal and are expected to just like suck it up and deal with it because it's so-and-so and it's, oh, you, it's just, that's that person. It's this person, you know who they are. You don't want to ruin their life. You're da, 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 da. And that mm -hmm. is, that is, uh, uh the, the fact that the companies make that comparison so often is, is strangely and terribly apt, uh, in, in many cases. And like, it is not reassuring to me. It's the, it is the least assuring thing in the world to me when a company says that for both of those reasons, because it means they're going to ask more of you day to day in terms of what your, your work is. They're not necessarily going to pay you more. They're going to let leverage uh, an emotional attribute over you. They're going to say that this is about your love for your family. It's about your love for your team. And listen, I love y'all. I love working with y'all. But like, it ain't like that. Like, they're, they're, <laughs> you know what I mean? It ain't. No, I feel you. Um, and, and, and frankly, it's not like that for that. For me, like, I love my family, but I'm not going to I'm not going to help you cover up an injustice like it's just we we have to move past that model of family when it comes to crimes like like that and not just crimes when it comes because often uh often abuse is not criminal but it's still abuse uh and that is an important aspect of this too which is like extra complicated as stories continue to come out and you try to figure out like what is this what happened here um but it, we, you have to get it out of your head that like oh this isn't a crime and therefore this person shouldn't be held accountable you know uh, in any case, this has been happening a lot. The stories are going to continue to come out. We're going to continue to cover it on the site. I know people are, 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 you know, reporting stuff out, but also just as they develop, expect more stories to hit the site over the next couple of days and, and week. Um, you know, maybe we, we wrap back around uh, and, and talk about this some more. Yeah, if, we didn't get a chance more, to at least. But, we can probably leave it here um, yeah. and not get into all the different statements that the various, you know, Twitch has made a statement, Insomniac made a statement, Ubisoft made a statement. You know, a statement. Yeah. Um, it'd be, I'd be, be curious in a week where all this stuff lands because the, the legitimate fear, because this is often what happens, is that it's very easy to, you know, oust the one public person that, you know, receipts were delivered yep. uh, on social media. And that person is, if not, maybe not even fired, but is temporarily suspended pending an investigation. And, and, you know, I, what, what doesn't solve this issue is, taking care of individual bad actors. I mean, that's important, you know, to provide some measure of justice and peace to those, uh, to the victims, but it's, well, how did, how did we get arrive in this situation in the first yeah. place? Was it purely just a, a single person, a single act and not reflective of a culture or a system? Because if all you do is remove the one bad actor, they can just be replaced later by, by someone else. or the system can produce and, you know, uh, another bad situation. And so, Unfortunately, that's like not we 
you know, it's not companies are going to be unwilling to disclose that stuff because it keeps that they have to be then accountable for the things that they are are promising, right? Like, you know, I mean, Twitch did just put out a statement sort of responding to what's going on, but it's yeah. there's just enough specific so that they're going to get a pass, but not enough specificity that you know that you can feel completely great about, and that's going to require. That's why these waves will happen again because you have to keep pounding the table in order to for change to occur, especially when you lack. You know, unions don't solve everything, but it's at least representation, uh-huh. um, and and it 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 can start a path towards a you know more just system for for the workers. Yeah. Uh, before we go to break, I guess just one final thing is just to say, just to reiterate that um, to survivors and victims out there, uh, anyone who's dealt with this, we believe you, uh, we stand by you, we support you uh, in your struggle, whether or not you feel like now is the moment to come forward with your story or not. Uh, you know, we we stand with you on that, um, and thank you for your support uh, as we struggle to talk through stuff that none of us have been, you know, uh, specifically trained for. <laughs> we do our best, um, and and we hope that that is that that provides some context and some clarity and some analysis. Um, but we know that that you know, likewise, this cannot be the the end of the thing. Cannot be us talking about it on a podcast. So, um, you know, keep fighting, keep struggling for change. Uh, and we will be right back. Kato, wait, did you have something? Uh, I mean, I was just gonna. Uh, I wanted to qu- quickly say that I've seen some people noticing that this time around it feels like there's a lot less wagons circling, at least yeah. publicly, um, especially yeah. in the streamer stuff, um, which is great. But also, I think the point has to be prevention. Like, we want yeah. that to never have gotten through those people who associated with uh, the abusers in the first place, mm-hmm. like it should stop earlier Then it's yeah. great that they're not, that, that these people are being, you know, shunned by their like other, uh, for, by the people that associated with, with them once, but we have to push for it to, you know, totally. stop, stop much before it happens, obviously. Yeah, I think the reaction from communities is different from it was, say, like a year ago. There is just definitely a lot more outward vocal support for the victims um, and absolutely like definitely shunning from other people in the community. But yeah, and if we've made this stride, we can make the next stride, which is to think about how we make our community safer. Mm -hmm. Totally. All right. We will be right back. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, we are back, and we are back to talk about uh, what the, uh, video games? Video games. 
Um, you. Patrick, you've been gone so long, and I have to imagine you know you've been carrying a baby around the whole time, like lone wolf yep. and cub style. Fighting <laughs> For a while, bandits. you could do it with one hand. It was incredible. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could. Like a pizza I would just pie. Like, it, well, it was. It was like it was. You know, I was thinking more like safe. he's holding a shot put. <laughs> you know what, Kato? You're actually right. Yes, it was. It did feel a little bit more like how far could I throw this child? Pretty oh. far. The upper arm strength is not not my uh, one of Can the traits just... I would brag by, but this baby is tiny. It's six pounds is is not a lot it, of weight. And you could just, just spiral it like a football. Put, put your fingers on the shoulder blades, yeah, to get a good. Oh yeah, no, yeah, you could. You could get a full grip on it. That we like, walked down this. Like, Why did I bring us here? Patrick now loves she's his child. Bigger, and you can't do that anymore. Mm. Ten pounds is a little tougher to. Feels like more like it'd be thrown in a pound of flesh, and that's not a same. Yeah, shop would has to be hot, hot, heavier than ten pounds. Come on. <laughs> I just have uh, no idea yeah, I it's, uh, uh, gaming was so I, I I went <laughs> out of my way to uh, try and like distance myself from everything about work and my work habits and work culture because I've spent twenty year. 20 years, I, I don't think I've done that Fuck. actually in more than 20 years. I've spent, um, it's funny, I uh, recently finally got a financial advisor. We're going through some things. The story will make sense in a second. Um, and uh, one of the things I had to sort out was to turn this investment fund from when I was a kid and put it in my name. It was in like a junior account like because it was how, it was started by my parents, but it was in my name because- when I first started writing uh, and getting paid for writing, um, it was when I wrote for Gaming Age, which originally had the Gaming Age forums, which became NeoGAF. Yes. Um, and I was getting uh, a monthly check based on the ad revenue back when, oh my God, like websites just made so much money off of ads. And I was getting something like, I don't know, like $500 a month. And my parents were like, you're 14. Like the fuck <laughs> are you going to do with $500 a month? And so they said, we're taking away three-fourths of it, um, which still left me at 14 with, you know, Flush 150 with, yeah, bucks. Just, like, that's like, a lot of money. Video games I wanted didn't, you know, I still worked summer jobs because I wanted to hang out with my friends. But, like, I had, like, all the the fun money that, that I really needed. And they put it all away in there. And so when I went to go change it into fully into my name and take my, uh, my parents' names off of it um, – they said, it's funny, so normally we would need to, like, have you send in a birth certificate, like, explain exactly how old you are because this was, you know, this was established when you're underage. And we're so close to being able to just automatically turn the page on it because your account is 20 years old. And so we in <laughs> mathematically would not have to prove that you're 21 because the account is would be 21 years old in three or four months. So instead I still had to send it in. But it's just all to show, like – I've been thinking about writing about games. It's been like directly tied to my identity for um, like t 20 years now. And like to my like, not just my identity of like, oh, I write for fun, but like, oh, that's how I make money. This is how I will sustain myself. This is how I'll support a family. And it's just so hard for me to turn it off. I've gotten better about working nine to five and like shutting it down, but I still play games at night. And I'm always thinking about, well, how can I turn that into a blog or a, uh -huh. a piece I can work on? And I tried to take it really seriously during this period, like, I'm going to not do that. Um, and the curious thing was I was very good at that. I started, first started 
uh, watching lots of movies. That was like, I was like, okay, the time that I would normally spend playing a video game, I'm going to watch movies. So I'd go on Amazon Prime. They have a great selection of VHS covers for what I mean by that is like when you used to go to like a blockbuster or whatever your local chain was, this movie is probably dog shit, but man, this has a cool ass cover and I want to see <laughs> that movie. And that drove my viewing habits was this is a cool cover. I'm going to watch this movie called Slugs about killer slugs um, naming people, which was actually much better than I expected. Um, slugs, the nest, go look at my letterbox profile. I started reviewing those. So I went through them. No, they just eat them. They just uh, eat you. They're damn. just okay. just really deadly uh, um, slugs, radiated, you know, the typical thing. And <laughs> the best part about it is, the al- you know, the one good thing about algorithms, it was like, yo, you watch some dog shit? We have more <laughs> dog shit for you. And so I went down this path. But then what I found uh, was that I got to such a disconnected place with video games that I found myself wanting to play them, not because it was going to serve any sort of content function. It... I didn't have to do it to make money. I was sort of set for the next three months. But because I, for the first time in 20 years, find myself in a place where, oh, like I could just play a video game and experience it the way that like a lot of normal people do that don't have their (laughs) brains corrupted by content um, is like I would find, when I started playing Gears Tactics, a game that I tired of like mechanically about 15 hours in, but played the full like 30, 35 hours because I would sit down after such a stressful day with my kids where I cannot take them anywhere. I can, I have none of the tools that are normally available to a parent to deal with a lot of the stresses of having kids on a daily basis. They can't see their friends. They can't see their family. They, they can't go to the park. They can't go to the pool. Like, uh, every day that it would rain, I would like want to curl up into a ball and cry because it was like, Oh great. So now we can't even fucking go outside. We're stuck in, in inside all day. And what I'd find like around like, seven, eight o'clock where my wife would like go and call some family and uh, she's like, let's sit down and watch a movie or something when I get back. I'd have like an hour where I could like have a beer and I would play Gears Tactics and I would feel all the stress in my body go away. Like for an hour, I, I was like, and I would like, I could chemically feel it happen. It was like so strange because this does not happen to me. It's not happening to me now playing Last of Us. Like, nope, back to thinking about this game as like, what can I do with this with this product and how does it fit into my workflow? Like there was this brief moment where like I would go from like a complete stress ball uh, and I would just feel it all wipe away. And that was very cool for three months. I'll never experience it again. That was interesting. Um but it was just such a weird, my relationship with games completely changed for that three months. I only played a handful of games. I didn't play very, I played Beat Final Fantasy, Beat Gears Tactics, and started on Last of Us was basically all I did. And then otherwise watched TV and movies with with my wife. But it was just, it was a profoundly strange experience to experience games in such a different, profoundly different way. What did you, did you like it? <laughs> like that way? Sorry. No. Yeah. Oh, no. Like game. I mean, oh. it sounds like you loved the way. I, yeah, I that love sounds the way. fantastic. Um, that sounds great. Um, I would love to go. I'll I would chase that. that sounds... I'll chase that dragon for the rest of my life and never find it. But uh, <laughs> you have to have another kid to have that time off. And pff, no, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, I, yeah, I, I thought Gears, Gears, Gears Tactics would look really good for 15 hours, okay. and then and it's then just it goes a lot for of another 25 filler. I yeah. loved the mecha- loved the mechanics. The story is non-existent. <laughs> dog shit. Um, just may as well not exist. It, it also had no meta, which made the filler stuff all the more 
uh, mm. like frustrating because there, mm-hmm. there, there was no reason to go do the same mission you've done 30 times because it, it wasn't even servicing like a research project right. or or anything. Um, but it's a really good foundation. I got people. I would tell people to go if you like XCOM, you know, Gears Take Tactics a is, a, is a really good fit. Just if you run out of steam on it, it's OK. Put it down. Don't play any more of it. Um, I was fine but playing more of it Gears because Gears Tactics Two. That game is going to rule. It's going to be it's going to be fucking amazing because they've already done a lot of the hard work, and I think the I mean not that the meta stuff isn't difficult, but I it's mechanically in in voice with XCOM, but different enough that I I really enjoyed the difference between the two. Um, but yeah, really excited to see what they do with a sequel or even like a broad expansion if they did that before a sequel because they they did a lot of the the hard work of the foundation. Um, just the you know, I always played a lot of those games uh, uh, with the sniper classes, and I, of course, still fell into that habit in in Gears Tactics. But by the nature of the mechanics, it really wants you to get in close, and that just created a dynamic that I'm just not used to in a lot of those games and, and found it really, really satisfying. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad you get to play something the way normal people play things. Um, I guess, I guess <laughs> what I'm, a curiosity I'm, it is. It's strange. I'm trying that right now with um, with Divinity Original Sin 2, which I, you know, I think we've talked about this series a little bit. Patrick, I know you loved the first one. That was oh, so right before the pandemic happened. Yeah. There is this tragic shared note that my wife and I had, which was all the movies and TV shows we were. So having a second kid, obviously, it's its own challenges and stressors. But yeah. that time you get off is actually the clo- like a vacation because mm-hmm. a, a newborn kid just doesn't do anything. They whine, <laughs> they they poop, they pee, but like re- relative to a, a more de- like like a 4-year-old, they just right. don't do anything. Like you can sit around all day. Like I haven't binged a show in 4 years. You can do that with a newborn. And so we had this shared note which was like Succession and like all these other shows <laughs> we're going to like catch up on and watch. Pandemic happens. Kids aren't going to daycare. Right. Like there's no one to help us like Note deleted. Don't e- don't even keep it for like thinking about what we'll watch in the future. Just delete it. Just fucking burn that note. And simultaneously, that world is uh, close to us. When when we had when we had Jessica, I have such fond memories of it was the first time in a long time like playing a game long enough that I was like, I've done enough today. I need to do something else because I burned through the two DLCs for The Witcher Three and oh, had a, okay. a great time doing it. I would just hold Jessica in my arms and give my wife the day off, and I was just like, I'm just gonna sit here. She's gonna sleep in these arms for for six hours straight. I'm gonna I'll get this controller propped up and I'll Walk be good. These vineyards, and, talk to this devil. And Original Sin Two was like go, was that was the game. It was like that. And De- I was that in between Death Stranding. I was trying to figure out which one was going to be that game because they both fit the bill of like chill, like relaxed, like games I could not have to put um a lot of my back to to play. And fucking, I'm never going to play Original Sin Two. I've just you. moved on to Baldur's Gate. Like yeah, it's just that, yeah. That's I, that's why no I jumped back into this. Back. They did that. They did that Baldur's Gate. Uh, like. Tra- not trailer, but like live gameplay session. The early, the early access starts in like a month. Yeah, right? it's soon. Yeah, and I, I, I may just keep myself from playing it early access because <laughs> I'm going to do the same thing. Yeah, I, I should wait until it's out. So with Divinity Original Sin One, I played it when it came out. Didn't love the tone. Didn't love the jokiness. Didn't yep. love the like storytelling and the, the place. And that's like a lot for me. 
Um, it turn, it's it turns also out. not a short game. It's also right? huge, right? So it was like, like, oh, I'm going to be in this. Hours. I got to like the weird out of space and time meta world, like oh, library you were right thing. Near the end then too. No, 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 no. I mean, the first time you go to the, the oh, like, oh, you oh, get out oh, of the oh, tutorial oh. area and yes, realize yes, you go yes. to this place. Uh, it's like I, one of the first times you teleport, and I'm like, I'm going to be stuck with this tone for 60 hours. It's going to be this sort of writing for and 60 hours. If the mechanics hours. were not enough to carry you through, right. then you were not going to. The mechanics so then, were enough to carry me through. Right. Not, well, so I then the, see. I didn't like the story either. Yeah. The, the second time, the, so the second game comes out, play it in early access. I'm like, okay, this is kind of interesting, but like, I feel like I should wait until it comes out. It comes out, and I'm just not in the right place for it. And now I'm playing it, and I'm, you know, I think I'm like 30 hours in. I'm still on the Are you first Skeleton island. Boy? I'm not. So I'm playing Ugh. one. I'm playing multiple. Uh, wait, sorry. I am Skeleton Boy also, because you get to play as, you get to, all those characters can come in your party for the first act. Right. I think you get to keep most of them. Um, the, the, which I, is a lot, right? It's like yeah, you can pick from like 12 main characters. There's six main characters plus any, plus you can create a character wholesale. Uh. Those six characters all have their own backstories, their own like quest lines and stuff. It's almost like you're picking between like Bioware companion characters, but you could just and can't, you, like, be I, one I remember, if you wanted. I, I went through the character screen in the, the Switch version and you can like also like pick a character but reject their backstory. Yes, right? you could be like, yeah, I basically want to be this person or I want to be a lizard guy like this guy. But I don't care about their history. Guy. I'm going to start I'm gonna over. do whatever the fuck I want. Cool yeah, choice. totally. We we're like, you can be like an undead dwarf if that's what you want, even though that's not <laughs> one of the like, all right, yeah, sure. Okay, fuck it. Let's go. Um, so I'm playing with a friend, which which helps a lot. One, just because like it's it's cool to have someone else. About it, it's changed the way I've had to play it a little bit, because in an RPG, normally I'm very much like pull up the map, clear every little spot by myself. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm still doing that, but it almost is just like I've given up a little bit of control. If someone wants to go have a conversation and get into a fight. If my partner wants to go do that, like, go for it. Awesome. Um, and then if... Uh, uh, How does it communicate what's going on? Or you there's, like, a little icon other? that pops up that's, like, this person's in a conversation Your right now. Your friend is fucking shit up at a camp down the street. <laughs> well, normally what happens is... Normally what happens is, is I hear, uh, I, I, can you come over here? And I lit someone on fire, right, and now the, there are seven people on fire. Well, normally what happens is I walk into a place, and I have to be like, ah, shit. I forgot these people hate me. Uh, I'm going to not move. Can you come over here? Because what it does is it freezes the tactical battle and the other player can still explore the world while a tactical battle is happening in one corner. And then huh. they come into the area. It slips into tactical battle mode. Oh, basically. that's great. It's really good because it's just like, I'm just going to chill. You can come through. It's fine. <laughs> um, uh, and then um, the the uh, the. Uh, way that that combat works is just so good i've like totally fallen in love with it it the it, the elemental interaction stuff so for people who don't know like it's a game that is it's a tactical rpg that doesn't have tiles and instead has just kind of free like meter based movement where you're going like hey every every one action point you spend you can move up to five meters um and you're doing your best to kind of line up ability combos very early basic ones are like this attack produces this attack is like you raise some rock out of the ground and throw it and it lands on on the ground and then there when it hits there is oil there and then you can follow that up with a fire attack that sets the oil on fire and damages people but then like there is a ton of additional interactions on top of that the way things stack in different ways so like you can use an ice spell that chills someone but if you chill someone who's already chilled they're frozen and that means that they lose their turn right and so you're doing all of these things plus making sure your characters aren't getting hit by them and and in multiplayer it's really fun because one it's almost like there's a degree of the, the Legolas Gimli stuff of like, all right, check this shit out, motherfucker. Let me show you what a good turn looks like. Uh, but there's also a degree of like, um, there's also a degree of like comboing with someone else. And it's, it's, 
there's an, a little extra joy that comes. It reminds me of tabletop role playing games in which you say like, oh, can you burn through this guy's magic armor? I got something that's going to knock him the fuck out if you can get his armor down on this turn. And then you kind of like hand over that control and being able to hand over that control. Like, it's to, really it's fundamentally really no different than just controlling no. another character. But it's because there's the added element of another person. Yes. Well, they might do something that I didn't expect or. Maybe I didn't fully communicate what yes. I wanted them to do. Oh my so god! It's a little bit out so of your control. That skeleton dude. So I, I'm controlling the skeleton dude and the lizard guy, the the red prince and Fane, um, and Fane, the undead dude. Undead characters in this game heal from poison, right? And they get hurt. It's classic, like old school, mm-hmm. g- good rules. Healing magic hurts them, right? Uh, and poison heals them. Uh, and he has a move called contaminate, which turns any. Of any surface that could be contaminated by poison into poison. So water or blood specifically. Uh, and that means that there are times when I'm like, he's real hurt. I got to heal him. Like, I know you have that elf assassin lady hanging out in this blood with me, but also there's two other enemies in here and I need to heal. So I'm just going to hit that contaminate button, turn this blood pool into a poison pool, heal myself and poison everyone else. Um, or, you know, the, the good version of that is like, yo, can you raise your, your physical armor so that you won't get caught by this poison or whatever? You know what I mean? Right. Um, uh, but that the way those abilities interact is very fun and almost slapsticky. Uh, I'm I'm really enjoying it, and 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 also I think the writing is better uh, straight through. Like I, I think that like there's some character stuff that I can hold on to. It's still goofy. It's still a funny game. It's still a, a, a fairly like lighthearted thing. It's just it it pivots really quickly between you know very jokey. You know, you can talk to animals if you get a certain ability, and the animals are all like. Like, there's a drunk cat that follows you around in the first area for the first, like, 12 hours of the game. There's this black <laughs> cat that follows you. And if you have the pet talk ability, it's just drunk. It's just like, hey, so bud, so are you it, okay? it follows you regardless of whether you Dude, can talk. yes. Dude. <laughs> that's so fun. I just think that's a that's like uh, a. We were safe coming to keep game... this cat alive. You have no fucking idea. We get to this, like, boss fight against this maniacal, like, torturer stereotype dude who's, like, very vain and vaguely queer coded in a way that's like mm, what's going on here uh but he's like a big boss fight he's like the big boss fight of, uh, of one of the ways you get out of this prison that you're in at the start of the game uh and this cat had followed us into the dungeon I, again had been with us the entire time hadn't died and, I, and i'd heard that you get a reward if you manage to escape the prison with the cat so the last uh. fight i'm like okay this fight is this like maniacal magic torturer plus all of these corpse zombie like uh they're like corpse they're like cursed monks or silent monks which are basically like he's taken people and frankenstein them into his personal like military slaves uh and they they get in their head that that cat is on our side no one has ever <laughs> directly attacked this fucking cat before but these monks are straight up like doing overhand like axe handle chops on this cat and i'm like you have got what? to leave i had I, at one point i tell i used i like wasted one of my i didn't waste it because it lived i had to teleport the cat out of danger <laughs> like the back line behind us all spent a healing spell on this cat uh the reward is very good by the way we, we beat that fight we got out with the cat we had, again we did have to save scum a few times there were times that like the cat got caught in an aoe or the cat was maybe a little too close to a fire spell or something and we get out and then the cat i don't know what the cat i didn't i don't have the pet talk skill so the cat was just like meow and then left and then it oh, was like you didn't have it i so didn't just, have it i don't know what how'd you said. know it was drunk 
Well, oh, because one of my okay, one of the characters that you get had it, uh, oh. Ifan, and I when he was in the party, I talked to the cat finally, uh, but I got rid of. I, I'm not with. He's not in my party anymore, so I don't know what the final conversation uh, was. When I talked to him okay. in the middle of it, the cat was like just bumbling around, slurring <laughs> its words, drunk. Uh, and so finally, I get out of the <laughs> sewer, and the cat just like meow, and then leaves. And then it's like you feel like you've made a deep and personal connection to something beyond this world, or something like that. And I learned a new skill, which was like summon summon the black cat familiar and now i can summon a cat familiar that can jump really far like to the top of a like a 30 foot tower and then switch places with me so i have a new what? traversal ability that like lets me move around the world it's worth sick it. it's so yeah it was absolutely <laughs> worth it and like that shit and like that shit is the shit you can use in combat right like I've, i definitely use that familiar to like uh to like jump me really far because my character is like a big bulky lizard knight guy and but this cat is really fast and this cat was very good at like swerving past enemies jumping to the back line where their wizards are and then switching places with me so i can just tear them oh, up oh that's a it's man sick. that's that's a wrecker. Yeah, and that's the game. And that's that's like that story is the game. It and I'm really enjoying it. I'm and I'm playing it. I, I'm doing my best to play it the way you were you were saying you were playing Gears Tactics, which is like I'm not gonna do an eight hour session because I have to talk about it on a podcast. I'm gonna play like three hours a night, two hours a night. I'm like, hey, do you wanna play yeah. some Divinity tonight? Cool, okay, let's do that. Um and that is way better than than trying to just like mainline it for coverage and, and I've I've heard that that series in general that you probably would have enjoyed the first one a lot more had you done it. Multiplayer. Yeah, that almost certainly. That, uh, right. know, I played Original Sin solo, really enjoyed it, really loved that game. And I'm sure I would like Original Sin 2 even more. But I have heard that it is like if you can play at co-op, it is uh, yeah. just so enhanced by by all is and like Baldur's Gate. Three is also going to be co-op. It's going to be co-op right? out the gate. Yeah, I want more than anything to watch Vinny Caravella play that game multiplayer with someone. More yes. than anything. More than that's the only content for me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that's what I've been playing. Other people, other people digging into oh. stuff this week. I have been playing so much Hades in between packing. Actually, in between packing this time, not just in between pretending to pack or thinking about packing. Um. <laughs> So I thought that the final update that brought it into 1.0 was happening this week, but I was wrong. It was I was so happy last... because that meant not another game for me to play because I've been putting off Hades. And you said 1.0 and I was like, oh, no, I have to play Hades now. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's later this year they're going to do 1.0. This is just the last major content update before that. I'm sure there's going to be other little fixes between then and now, but... They on their roadmap. It's just this is the the road Hell to yeah. 1.0 now. So at some point in 2020, we're gonna see it on 1.0. They're saying, um, but like a, this, there's a lot of good shit in this game. I also finally made it to the Elysium Fields and made it Congrats. pretty far in Elysium. Actually, I I feel very very powerful. But uh, the new content update adds some stuff with Charon. Now there's an optional boss fight with the uh, Charon who is the uh, boatman who takes the dead souls to the underworld. Uh, here, he also sells items in a shop. <laughs> you, now you can steal from him and have an optional boss fight. Haven't tried that one yet. Um, it also added some new sprite work for some of the, the underworld characters like um, Achilles and Eurydice, who is the character I just met. I really like her. I think she's great. Um, the ways that with in which this game does mythology jokes is really tickling my fancy here. Uh, the boss fight that I keep dying on, it's really hard. In Elysium Fields, it's you first you meet the Minotaur, um, and he tells you he's a great character, 
uh, that boss fight's also really hard. I haven't been able to beat him. I just have run the timer out on that fight and he leaves. Um, and, you know, he tells you, tells you, oh, I'm a tough, I'm a tough character, but wait until you meet the the champion of Elysium. And you're like, who could it be? It's not <laughs> the Minotaur from, from the, like, from the Labyrinth. Like, that, that would be my, my pick. No. Several stages later, you get to the boss fight and it is Theseus and the Minotaur. Ah. They're friends now. <laughs> Shout out to them. I'm glad they worked it out. Yeah, honestly, I guess when you're dead, you know, you don't have a lot to do other than squash some beef. Yeah. So works out. Um, the funniest thing is Theseus is styled after like a traditional like American style superhero. So he's constantly talking That's about how funny. he will vanquish you and, you know, how he will not get away with it this time, you evil foe. It's very, he's such a dick. Every time <laughs> I come back, he's always talking about how much better than me he is. And I hate him. <laughs> um, I love him, but I hate him. But there's one thing I, I really, I, I met a character last night, Austin. Mm-hmm. But I really, really wanted to share with you okay, that has I'm now ready. added a new level of love for me for this game. Uh, so this boy oh, is yeah. Thanatos. Oh, this great. Is Thanatos. Why yeah. is he a, a hot Bishonin boy? Well, he's got some real tension with Zagreus. Uh, I bet. He showed up in Elysium really upset that we didn't say goodbye to him. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a good, that's a good, that's a good hook. Oh, God. And then when I, uh, he helped us clear some, some enemies, actually. And so when I lost that run to Thesis and the Minotaur, I went back to the House of Hades. He was there and he was so pissed. He was like, I risked everything helping you and you still died. I can't believe you. And it's just me last night at 1.30 a.m. I was just like, please kiss, please kiss, (laughs) please kiss. God, I listen, like, I scrolled down on this I scrolled down on this Hades wiki page and there's a romance subheading so you know uh, you better you it. better work on reaching maximum affinity with this boy oh my god <laughs> just like he's he's clearly deliberately designed to evoke this reaction and I, I yeah love no it. this is I, this is I really you really can date love this it. boy I'm letting you know <laughs> if you want to date this boy you can date this boy I really do I want Zagreus to make up with him, at least. They're just like, it's clear that they really feel something for each other. I had him try to start to make up with Meg also. I now have been reliably not just beating Megara, but also her other Fury sisters, uh, Tisiphone and Electo. And uh, those are rough boss fights, Tisiphone especially. Who... Bro, I would not date one of the Fury sisters. I, those nah. No. I feel like Number you're... one, breaking up with them? I don't know about that. <laughs> Number two, uh, that's just a lot of drama, it feels like. To it's me. a lot. It's a lot of them. Um, yeah. I feel like there's, there's, you're just going to get dragged for every little thing you do. They're yeah. very, they're real sticklers, yeah. <laughs> Histori- historically speaking. Uh, it just feels like if you date one, you are de facto kind of also dating the other two. Just like a lot of family drama. Get in trouble. There's a lot of drama. going to get in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Thanatos, I feel like he's got his own shit going on, but sure. at least it's, I mean, it's not like he cares about you or anything. Okay. Is oh, that God. the vibe? Is that the yeah, vibe? Yeah, that's totally the vibe. Great. It's very, very, uh, it's, it's fun to see how they fit like figures from Greek mythology into tropes of modern media, mm-hmm. right? So the thing that's going on between Orpheus and Eurydice is uh, Orpheus 
so we meet Eurydice. I've, she hangs out in Asphodel and um, she gives us items that uh, upgrade our boons, which is really, really handy and helpful. She sings a really beautiful song that's on the soundtrack. Again, they're working with the same composer they've worked with for all the other games. So the music is fantastic. A real folk metal tinge on the soundtrack. It, it, it really whips. The stuff in Elysium has all these really great like bass lines that are just going for a walk. I love it. Um, and... She's lovely. We mentioned to her that we met Orpheus and she was like, oh, that bitch, that little dumbass bitch who hasn't even said hello to me now that we're both in the underworld. Tell him I said, hey, I guess. Mm -hmm. So their whole like dynamic now is Orpheus does not want to ruin his memory of Eurydice from when he lost her because he spent his whole life mourning that memory. So he he has expressed to us that he does not really want to see her at all because he is too enwrapped up in his own sadness of having lost her. The myth of Orpheus and Eurydice being uh, Orpheus journeyed to the underworld to get Eurydice, his wife, back after she died. And he was told that as long as he never looked back, she would follow him out of the underworld. And just before they made it to uh, uh, the living world, he lost his faith for one second and looked back, saw her, and saw that she was going to be damned to... Uh, being dead instead of being alive again. Um, so it's it's really funny to think about. Okay, but what happens after Orpheus dies? What what's right, he going to be up right, to? Right. And so he's his whole thing. He's like a, a don't, court don't musician who's too depressed to sing. It's so funny though, and it's That's, not. Yeah, that I'm excited for pretty it. early on. Okay, um, <laughs> that he's too depressed to sing. Actually meeting him though, it's incredibly funny. Uh, it's. <laughs> He's just yeah, such, a, I'm, such I'm, a little whiner. It's good. Um, yeah, I am totally sold. I cannot wait. I'm I, actually I'm, I can wait clearly because I'm going to continue yeah. to. Soon I think enough. yeah. If you um, Hopefully if you have it, in a, if you already have it and are curious about it, this is a great place to jump in because this is basically game complete except for some the game ending is the major stuff that they're working on apparently. Um, if you want to wait. It seems like it'll be this year, so yeah, hopefully totally. not not a years and crossing years. Crossing my late. fingers, crossing yeah. my fingers that it'll be sooner than later. I guess we'll see. Yeah, um, hopefully, Rob, you had a piece go up today. Was it today mm -hmm. that you went up uh, yeah. on Humankind, a game that we've talked about a little bit uh, from trailers? The new Amplitude, uh, the upcoming Amplitude 4X game, kind of Amplitude's take on Civ. Amplitude, of course, the folks behind the uh, Endless series endless space endless legend endless the one where you're doing like a weird tower defense moba thing uh how was humankind uh it was a bit it was a bit odd for sure uh so just to give you a little bit of context and I, this comes up in the preview i did the big idea behind humankind is you do pick civilizations early in the game, but just like human history, civilizations aren't static. They kind of evolve, right? Like a, a people becomes a different civilization as time moves on, aesthetics change, culture changes, etc. And so like, you know, you can start as the Mycenaeans uh, and then you can next be the Greeks in the next period. Or you mm. could be you totally do a gear shift thing, right, where you can be like, actually, uh, you know, we're the Chinese now. Uh, you know, we, we, we built our big stone, uh, stone fortresses on, on the islands. And now we're now we're now we're Chinese. 
And what's that mean? Each, what's what's what it, that means yeah. is for each era, a civilization has different bonuses. So if you ever played the uh, board game, uh, what is it? Three Ages. Um, I don't think so. Oh god. Yeah. So the the idea is with each era, your civilization civilizations that are sort of associated with that era of history have different buffs and bonuses that work really well in that period. So the idea being that like in the classical age, classical age civilizations will have some really good shit uh, available to them that will get less relevant as time moves on. Because here's the thing, the where civilization is all about, like build a rocket ship and go into space or get voted dictator civilization of the world because everyone <laughs> likes you so much uh humankind is really just a score chase game mm. and you kind of run up the score like you have more opportunities to like rack up scoring points if you kind of stand pat and say like no like on this on this civilization yes i'm falling behind the tech curve but if i add a few more achievements to my civilization like you know build a few more monuments go do a little more exploring uh i just get more score points uh so i might be falling behind the progression curve but i'm getting more points somebody else might be saying i'm gonna get there first and because it's like a draft and the civilizations on offer are whittled down as players enter those new eras and pick their civilization. Like if you are early to the era, you can be whoever you want. If you're last to an era, you kind of get whoever is left. Oh, so there can only there can only be one for each civilizational type. Can right. you start like, with like, something late or can you can you start out the gate as a civilization that didn't exist in the period? Like can you be the like United States of America in the classical period. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I think like, I, I think early in the game, I, I'd have to refresh my memory, but like you start as a, a nomadic tribe and you have a small, you, you like you have just a slat, slate of uh, like bronze age civilizations that existed. And that's who, that's who starts out the game. Okay. And then from there it forks. And they're saying that, like, by the end of the game, huh. you got a million possible combinations of how you can chain together different uh, civilizations. That's really interesting. And also, I yeah. read they're not, that doesn't mean that they're balanced. Right. They were like, uh, we don't know if it's balanced, which I love because if you played Endless <laughs> yeah. Legend, Endless yeah. Legend is very much a game where you're like, uh, is this right? Is this good? This can't am, I, be right. am I playing well? Yeah. And it was very much a game where it was like, it's cool. Yeah. Don't worry about Don't it. Don't so shut the much. fuck up and and eat this dust. It's yeah. dope. You're a cool. <laughs> you're a cool gold dust eating vampire. Just let it ride, homie. Yeah, and so like like I will say like the Babylonians uh, have like a city district that generates like food and science in the uh, in the Bronze Age. And like it was ridiculously OP. Like I'd played other civilizations, and then the Babylonians were just like growing science out of the ground and eating it. And Gee. I was like, "Damn, these people!" <laughs> now are that's endless legend to me, actually. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Uh, but the the goofy thing was in this preview, the thing they wouldn't let you do was change ages. Like once you progressed out of the Bronze Age, if you clicked, like, "Okay, I'm gonna become Celts," 
the game ended. Right. And so I didn't actually get a chance to see like what that progression would look like as you moved up through the eras, uh, even though that's such a big part of the game, right? Because when you change eras, you lose your civilization bonuses and you get your new civilizations bonuses uh, if you decide to uh, move on. But you do get legacy bonuses. So mm-hmm. each civilization you've been leaves like a legacy bonus on your character sheet, basically. And that kind of informs the unique traits of your faction as you get into the late game. Uh, And that sounds really cool, but I just kind of have to imagine how cool it would be because in the demo they were like, uh, yeah, you'll see more of that closer. (laughs) When is, when is release? Uh, Next year. Okay. So there's some time still. And there, are they doing their weird early access thing that they do sometimes? Are they going to just wait? I want to say that yes, I, I want to say that they they were going to stick by the early access thing that okay. they consider that pretty uh, endemic. But that makes sense. Don't hold me to that. I am now trying to remember something that was said offhanded, uh, you know, weeks ago. But I yeah, I've just say checked. Go. It's from a couple weeks ago. It looks like yeah, they're doing their what they call open dev, which is like lots of opportunity to, to give them feedback. It's what they've done for the last few games. I, it seems like it works really well. I'm, I'm I'm here for it. So shout out to Amplitude, a studio that I like. Hey, wow, they've been doing good stuff, you know? Um, yeah, I, I think Sega I will say this. publishing some of the coolest strategy games is so weird. Sega's like sideways, like shuffle into being a strategy publisher, like starting with the Total War thing yeah. where they're like, we got we got one more roll of the dice. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Creative assembly. And then quietly are <laughs> just like, yeah, uh, Sonic and then these strategy games. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. That's like, well, like. The thing that's sad, they should make, they should get uh, uh, one of these studios to do, to like bring back um, the Shining Force games, which are like the Mm. Sega Genesis tactics series, much loved by fans and then thrown to the wolves as time (laughs) progressed. Uh, I would love to see Amplitude do a Shining Force game. Make it happen, Sega. That'd be dope. Um, All right. I think uh, we are frankly out of time for today's recording. Our first segment went much longer than I think we thought it would. Um, so I'm going to start wrapping up. We'll be back on Monday. We can catch up on some other stuff, including all the Pokemon stuff that has happened. Uh, I know Kata, you have a lot of Pokemon thoughts. Pokemoba. I know. We'll talk, we'll talk about the Pokemoba on Monday. And then, uh, we'll also talk about some other stuff. So look forward to that. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Rob? At Rob Zachney. Gita. At Gossip Gita. Kato. At A underscore Kato underscore appears. Well, everything we do, twitter.com slash waypoint, waypoint.advice.com. As always, thank you to Bowen for letting us use a track, miss you off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Patrick had to jet, but you know you can follow him at Patrick Klepik on Twitter. Uh, and as always, uh, this week, as, many, as much as any other, <laughs> fuck capitalism, go home. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Welcome back, Patrick. Patrick hasn't been playing anything because... No, I'm playing. Well, I'm glad... I beat Final Fantasy in March, so that was an accomplishment. And then, no, okay. April, I guess. And then I spent all of May playing Gears Tactics. I beat that. Okay. And then I'm playing Last of Us before the okay. that, like Ghost Code shows up probably tomorrow. Patrick, where are not, you? I will not finish it. Rob, 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 I had such a deep... Patrick, where are you? Well, one, I think I like the game more than you do with some reservations. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I had, like... Because I just made the. We could just talk about this. I don't. Yeah, know why save this. Save this for the pod. Um, Kato. Pokemoba. Pokemoba. You are so you're also <laughs> playing the cafe game. I'm also playing the cafe game. I'm also in the DLC. Pokemon. I, oh, Pokemon I want to hear about both of these things. So. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. That's that okay. that famous saying. So, it's a me Pokemon time. It, yeah, that is you. That, that's it. that's how it goes. All right. Let me start recording. Podcasts are work, but I like it's nice to see all of you today. Yeah. Let me turn down my fan. All right. Did that just make like a little. Yeah, it does like a little chime. It's the, Hell it's yeah. the air conditioning unit thing. Why do you have uh, a cyber fan? Because uh, I'm Austin. <laughs> Like a cyber fan. It's not. It's make the, sure, it's make the sure and pay attention AC to the cyber unit. fans at the, uh, you know, when the during the cyberpunk stream today. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's time that is. Um, thirty-seven seconds. First time ever, I opened it before you said time dot is. Nice. <laughs> Getting, getting ready. I getting like that. Crowded. Adding the extra edge, like the, just a little bit of, ooh, got to get that link open. I like uh-huh. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right.